Hello and welcome. My name is Joe O'Mara. I'm the Head of Aviation Finance with KPMG. And on behalf of KPMG and Airline Economics, I'm delighted to be joined again by Robert Korn, who is the President of Carlisle Aviation Partners. Robert, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I should say we're recording this in the last week of October in New York. Um, always great to get your insights. And maybe before we get into the meat of the conversation, do you want to tell our watchers, most of whom will know, a little bit about Carlisle Aviation Partners? Yeah, absolutely. So Carlisle Aviation Partners was founded in uh, February of 2002 by myself and my partner, Bill Hoffman. Um, through our growth over the last 20 plus years, we ultimately sold the business to the Carlisle Group. Um, we're now an entity that's uh, based inside the global credit division of Carlisle. We've grown to over 400 aircraft uh, on lease to roughly 130 airlines around the world. We have a 20 aircraft order with Airbus. We've become a financier as well, financing uh, pre-delivery deposits for airlines as well as uh, managing uh, aviation-backed securities for, uh, for institutional clients. Excellent. And maybe level setting at the start, Robert. Um, you have a very large breadth and we'll see a lot of the market. Your perspectives and where we sit from a recovery perspective um, and then where you're seeing opportunities in the market at the moment on the airline side. Well, we're certainly starting to see the recovery. Um, while we struggle to, to and wait and hope for China to reopen, um, certainly um, I just finished my, my, my last trip, which was nine days, eight countries, and it was the first trip there wasn't a PCR test required to get in or get out of any country. So, you know, one of the biggest fears of an international traveler is being stuck. So there was no fear of being stuck. I was able to, to move freely from country to country, and I think that's a big milestone. And so we see that now in Southeast Asia, um, if not all, most of the barriers are down to prevent traffic. We've seen traffic flourishing in North America and even in Europe over the last six months, but now we're seeing a fully engaged recovery. I think the biggest next step is to see the airlines, especially in Southeast Asia, getting aircraft back in the air. So airlines that had stored aircraft for quite a bit of time are working very hard to get aircraft out of storage and back up flying to meet the demand, which every time it seems that flights are added, uh, they seem to be full today. And, and that demand piece is great. We're seeing that kind of consistent theme piece come through a little. There's still an awful lot of uncertainty in the market. So you look at you know, either from a macroeconomic perspective and a geopolitical perspective, whether it's challenges around interest rates, inflation, oil, Russia, uh, everything that falls into that bucket. How challenging is that making it from your perspective to do medium-term planning when we just all this uncertainty that's out there? It's quite, it's quite hard. It makes everything more difficult. Um, you know, we can talk about one black swan when we talk about the beginning of COVID. Then we have the second black swan, which is, you know, the Omicron waves. Then it's the third one with Russia. Then it's inflation. So, you know, we spent the last 10 years um, educating and, and bringing institutional investors into our space, right? To the point that uh, large private equity firms and large credit businesses like Carlisle felt like they needed to have an aviation offering for their institutional clients. And so you'll now see today versus 10, 15 years ago, they all have in some form and shape a way of offering aviation to their clients. Well, I think the last three years has been a real test on where, where does this go and how quickly going forward. So we have a lot of work to do because of this uncertainty. I, I think we have, to, we have to deal with the uncertainty of, of interest rates. Where do they ultimately peak? Do they, where do they settle? We have to deal with Russia. Do our, are our insurance claims ultimately settled in the next year 
or in four years. So investors are watching to see those be settled, and that's a piece of uncertainty, right? Inflation, how does inflation settle? Um, I think these are, these are things that, that investors and, and lessors and banks are all watching and waiting for resolution. Whenever you have, um, when you have a certain market, people can invest in infrastructure, in technology, in long-term planning. It's very challenging today, I would hypothesize for anyone to truly make those long-term commitments and be assured of good answers. And I think that's what's driven us to see uh, a lot of spreading in the, uh, the cost of, of our businesses right now. And, and then on terms of then the return side, when you look at lease rate factors, you know, you would expect in a, you know, a rising interest rate environment, we'd see uh, an uptick on that front. H how are you seeing LRFs evolve? Certainly you're seeing a gapping out of, of rates. It's just a function of the cost of the lessors, right? And, and the lessors' uh, interest rate costs is driving an increase in, in lease rates. There's no doubt about that. Ultimately, I don't know that it's driving an increase in their profitability because the lessors have to turn around and borrow money to pay for the, the, the business that they're doing. Um, what's um, a little bit worrisome at the same time that you see interest rates rising and the airlines have to tackle higher lease rate costs, they're having to tackle higher labor costs, higher uh, fuel costs, um, and, and all, when you add all these things, things together, you ask yourself, can the airlines continue to pass all these costs through in increased revenue? Or does this lead to ultimately a slowdown in the overall business? And, and your perspective then on the value side, you spoke in the inflationary market, it, how hard is it at the moment to peg relative value when you're assessing metal? Well, it's challenging because you know, if, if interest rates rise, arguably for the same lease, uh, the equity has to earn a return. So you would argue that the value of the asset would be diminished in a uh, lease encumbered sale. At the same time, if you think about an inflationary environment, we should expect the values of those aircraft to rise. So you've got some offsetting uh, paradigms that, uh, that we'll have to understand. I think the underlying unencumbered metal is definitely going to see a value increase. That's, that I think we're certain of. And, and on the debt side, maybe focusing on the capital markets to begin with, um, and on the ABS space, you've obviously, you were the singular so far issuance this year, coming out of just the uncertain environment that we're in. But it's a market you've played in lots for a long, long time. What's your perspective on where that market currently sits and, and where you expect it to go in the near term? Well, it's certainly, um, I said to somebody earlier today, it feels like we're in 2014. In 2014, when we did our first ABS, the pricing was very similar. We were able to get a B note off, but it, we struggled, and, and we didn't even try to place a C note. This time around, Goldman came up with a very unique structure of a uni tranche A, which we issued, um, and, and we'll ultimately expect, as the markets become more constructive, to be able to issue a, a follow-on B tranche. Um, my, my view is that many of the inherent capital markets players are still dealing with and rationalizing their existing books. So some of the players are not currently playing in the business. I think there's thereby less relevant capital that wants to, to invest in that area, but there's still plenty. There's a healthy demand for those, those, those notes. I think uh, we will see that continue to evolve and we'll ultimately be back where we started um, as the cycle moves. How quickly that happens, I think, is anybody's, uh, anybody's guess. And, and in the meantime then, how do you view the rest of the lending market? We've obviously seen 
you know, it appears that the banks are stepping into the breach a little bit. And then we've had the evolution of kind of the non-traditional lending mm -hmm. platforms, which have you know, been more in vogue in the last kind of 12 or 24 months. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on those areas? Well, we've, we've actually played in both this year. So we've been across the market. Um, we, we always have had the view that we want to be in the capital markets and we want to be in the bank markets and we want to be in the non-traditional bank markets to the extent that they're all constructive. I'm meeting one of them today. We've already met with a bank earlier today. Um, the goal is to both get the lowest cost of funds as well as place the breadth of our, our needs across the market. In this kind of market, this year, I think it's safe to say we need to be constructive in all those markets to accomplish all of our banking needs. In other years, the capital markets can, can fill up and, and solve all of our needs and, and be the most efficient. This year, I'm not sure that's the case, so we're working across the markets to tackle each one in, in a different way and try to uh, spread our needs around. And, and on the investor side, um, and we might talk to a couple of specific acquisitions in a moment, but have you seen any trend lines in the types of investors that have been interested in the space post-COVID, or is it still the same categories of investors, the names might change? Just interested in what you've seen on that side. Well, I, I don't think we've seen any shifts in terms of uh, categories of investors leaving, coming, going. I think, I think it's all the same. Um, where we've seen, for example, new entrants um, come in and provide capital in a, a public manner. In fact, when you, when you do your research, you find out that, uh, that those investors actually have played previously and we're just seeing or hearing their name and we didn't know. Uh, a case in point, when we had our second fund, going back to 2012, we ultimately found out that one of our lead investors um, had been an investor in GPA many years ago. So um, I think the funds, the investors, they continue to invest. The, the, the categories continue to participate. And aviation itself as an asset class, and obviously you have good perspectives on this given the size and scale of Carlisle, how do you think it competes, right? We've clearly seen a sophistication which is reflective maybe of where the unsecured market went, you know, in the last 24 months pre the kind of interest rate environment. Do you think that sophistication holds? Would you have any concerns of aviation as an asset class when you mention, you know, we get COVID, then we get Russia, then we get challenges that are universal on interest rates, but kind of particularly tension from an aviation finance perspective. As an asset class, how do you think it stacks up? Oh, I, I think we're gonna certainly see that um, there's gonna be a reflection that maybe people got too buoyant and too jubilant uh, just, just before COVID. I think many of us saw we were, we were at the top of a cycle and often when the cycle shifts, there's people that, uh, that, that suffer losses. And I think certainly that was exasperated through the COVID process and then Russia as a follow-on. Um, but I think plenty of investors were properly prepared and, uh, and ready for, uh, for the downturn. Um, I don't think it's a systematic shift in investors you know, in general leaving aviation, but in every cycle, there's gonna be investors that leave, there's gonna be investors that come back. So you know, today I think the, the people deploying capital are closer towards the guys seeking opportunity versus people just trying to fill buckets before we got past COVID, trying to fill up their, their um, alternative space. And, and maybe moving on to a couple of macro lessor questions, right? So, so one, we've seen the percentage of leased aircraft breach 50%. We've clearly seen a deepening and strengthening of relationships between airlines and lessors. 
Do you see that macro trend continuing? Do you think that popularity of leasing has seen a step change post-COVID and that that step change is sustainable? Well, I, I mean, in many respects, I would say no to all of them, because what I would say is that airlines inherently would like to own some, if not all, of their equipment. I mean, every airline is pretty candid with us, except some of these very unique, and I'll also say very profitable, ULCCs that run with an asset light mode, right? Um, by and large, the strategy of the typical airline is to own some of their equipment. And while I, clearly right now the balance sheets of the lessors have been very taxed, and that's resulted in them having to find financing elsewhere for just about everything, I do believe that we will see a recovery of the airline balance sheets over the next three to five years, and part of that money will be diverted to buy equipment. And then another kind of macro point was we've seen really the importance of scale is probably increasing, right? And, and more than yourselves in the acquisitive mode you were in relation to the fly transaction, in relation to the AMC transaction. I might talk to those two uh, specifically in a second, but is scale just becoming more and more important? And if you can't play at that level of 200 plus aircraft, are you gonna be behind the eight ball? My personal opinion is yes. I think, I think being in, term, in touch with scale gives you a perspective in the marketplace and it allows you to be much more nimble as well as to offer global remarketing solutions and global perspective to our investors, to your investors. If you're a small company, you're gonna have less access to capital inherently and you're gonna have less infrastructure to solve problems. And we're in a marketplace now where more than anything, we're not just clipping coupons. We're, we're working with our clients, we're finding creative and unique solutions, and we're often needing to move aircraft to allow for new fleets to come in, as well as in distress situations where we wanna move equipment out. And the logical follow on that is, is more M&A, right? And is that what you would expect to see uh, over the next kind of year or two that we will see some of those smaller players, a smaller player now might be 100 aircraft less, or continue to kind of get absorbed by larger platforms? Well, I, I think it may be a situation where, I think the answer is yes, right? And I, I'm not speaking, nor do I know of any active M&A, but I certainly think that um, given the dynamics of the market, if the bank, as we understand the banks and the financiers are really focusing on the larger players with more, um, more um, strengths and skills to offer from their platforms, that would, on a reverse, make it more challenging for small players to get financed and to, to continue to grow their businesses as well as be invested in. So if I had to speculate, I would guess many of the non-scale players are going to have to be very, very conscientious of how they're going to raise capital, how they're going to finance their businesses, and if they're able to survive, that's going to be great. But more likely than not, I think we'll see quite a few of these players look for M&A opportunities to be acquired and or they may ultimately find that they've sunsetted out of the business and, and just simply uh, cease to be relevant. And, and looking at your own recent acquisitions, which were portfolio acquisitions, I guess, in essence, rather than you know, a, a, amalgamating both the Fly portfolio and the AMC K portfolio and to, to be managed by the Carlisle platform, can you talk us through how those acquisitions have gone and a little bit the rationale? Was it kind of scale that was pushing you to, towards those acquisitions? Well, in the case of Fly, it was a, uh, it just came to be a perfect portfolio to fit into our midlife fund. And whereas in a, normal, in a normal market, we might do five or six transactions to acquire and build a fund. 
uh, we were able to acquire 89 aircraft in one fell swoop. Very efficient uh, very and very well, I think, thought through at the time. Um, you know, that was something that came without employees and without infrastructure, so it was very easy to just consume within the group. Whereas I think AMCK and, and the Chung Kong group would say, any market they're in, they lead and they dominate. And they spent a few years trying to see if they could do that in this business, and then decided if they can't dominate and rule the, the business, they're better off taking their capital and being profitable somewhere else. And so in, in a reciprocal way, we were looking to acquire aircraft for our funds, and it was a very, very good fit. Um, we ultimately, I don't think it was thought through as specifically to scale, but certainly the result of that was, a, again, a good economical transaction for both parties, and we're, our side benefiting that we were able to increase our scale and enter into the top 10 uh, in terms of size and scale. And the order book you referenced at the start, is that the, that's the AMCK yes. order book? Yes. So does that change your thinking on things, or when you think about the interaction between lessors and OEMs, what are your thoughts on those kind of relationships? And, and as you move into that kind of newer space, is it something that you might explore more in the future? Well, I think it's, it's a natural progression of our business. Um, and we've talked about this, and our business has grown where we started in our roots in old, old part out aircraft and then leasing short term, then mid term, then long term, and growing uh, and, and moving up the age scale. Before we purchased uh, AMCK, we had, um, we had launched a new aircraft fund that was doing sale leasebacks on brand new aircraft and new technology equipment. So, this is a, again a natural continuation of that theme. So we haven't, um, you know, in any way, like walked away from buying in the midlife space. And quite the contrary, we're looking for those opportunities. We're also looking for opportunities on newest sales specs. And now we have a uh, an order book of twenty uh, eight through twenty neos we have to place. Um, I think uh, I think we'd be we'd be foolhardy to say there's going to be an order anytime soon, just given the next available slots are are quite far out. I think it's something that if this goes well we could surmise we'd like to do again. Um, but again, there's nothing today that, uh, that is in the works that, uh, that would cause that to happen. And just in closing, Robert, um, as you sit here, as I say, at the end of October, um, with the opportunities we discussed and the market and the recovery that's there, but all the uncertainty that's also out there from a macroeconomic and geopolitical perspective, what are your optimism levels like? Well, I'm very optimistic it, it's gonna get better. And maybe that's because of the relevant point we are in the cycle. But I do believe um, when we look at what's happening, I think there does have to be an end to the geopolitical issues. I think they do have to end in a, in a near-term uh, way. Um, I think the world um, wants to be a, a safer you know, and more sensible place than it is today. And, and all, the, all of the dampening of tensions will lead to reduced cost. Interest rates will return to a lower rate. People will be confident and want to fly, and I think that all leads to opportunity and growth in our business. I mean, I always tell people we have to remember while aviation is mature on the North America side of the world, when we circle the globe to Asia, there's a huge opportunity and growth that this business is truly growing at a very, very fast rate, and that makes it very exciting. Robert, on that optimistic note, I'd like to thank you for your time and insights and wish you and Carlisle a very successful 2023. Thank you very much, and thank you, everybody.